Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. While you are standing on holy ground, grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 92. I'll quickly get into the lesson here this morning. Psalms 92, and I just want to read one uh, verse of Scripture, verse number 13. Psalms 92, verse 13. If you got it, say amen. If you don't, say oh my. Psalms 92 and verse 13 says this, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Everybody say flourish flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And I just want to uh, preach to you from a question this morning, and that is simply this. Where are you? Where are you? God bless you this morning. You may be seated. So I wanted to begin uh, this morning with showing you this verse in, in the Bible that basically says that the way that you grow, the way that you realize all that God has for you, is that you get yourself in the right kind of environment for growth to happen. How many want growth to happen? Amen. Those who are in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So if you get yourself in the right environment, the Bible is saying good things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. Um, out in Eastern California, and I've heard, I've heard different uh, analogies on this, different messages, but, and I thought it was pretty handy, but in Eastern California, there is a desert. There's a desert valley known as Death Valley. And, and during the summer months, it is one of the hottest places on earth. On earth. It it blew me away to read that. On earth, it is one of the hottest places. Some of you all who love summer, maybe you should check out the Airbnbs that they have there. You might enjoy it. But for for all of those who are in Christ, it's not your ideal place, all right? It's not, that's not where you want to visit and take the family on vacation. It's the hottest, driest place in America. Nothing grows there at all. In fact, nothing grows there because it doesn't rain. That's why they call it Death Valley. There's nothing. The valley is extremely dry because it lies in this in the in the rain shadow of four major mountain ranges. And so, what happens is is moisture that is moving inland from the Pacific Ocean. It it has to pass eastward over these mountain ranges to reach Death Valley. And so. As air masses are forced upward each, uh, by each range, they cool, and that moisture condenses and, 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 and for rain or snow to fall on those, on those slopes. And so by the time that those masses reach Death Valley, most of the moisture in the air has already been lost, and thus there is little left to fall as precipitation. Cody, will you throw that first photo up for me? This is a picture of of the desert. That's a beautiful sunset. But look, there's nothing growing there. There's nothing alive. There's nothing vibrant, all right? There's just no life whatsoever. But something happened in all the way back in 2004. Something happened that winter. 
and they don't even really know how it happened, but seven inches of rain fell in a short amount of time. Now, nothing happened immediately, but by the spring of 2005, here's what took place. Cody, would you show this picture for me? Just a few months later, all of a sudden, this life starts to pop up, these, these flowers. And what they realized that Death Valley wasn't dead, Death Valley was only dormant. So right beneath the surface of the ground were actually seeds of potential that just needed to be in the right environment for great things to happen. Anybody know where I'm headed out with this, all right? So what churches do and what, what, what pastors do and what we're trying to do is make sure that people get in the right environment so the best version of you happens. Okay, here's my message this morning. Just going to let the cat out of the bag. You are somewhere on a spiritual journey. You are somewhere on a spiritual journey. All of us. You are somewhere in all that God has for you. And so the key is to find where you are and then to take the next step. Look at your neighbor and say, where are you? In fact, my goal of this message is to help you identify where you are and then to help show you possibly what your next step is that you can take so that you are growing, so that you are flourishing. Because hear me today, your life isn't supposed to be dead. Your life isn't supposed to be dormant. Your life is supposed to flourish, as the Bible says. Psalm 16 and 11 says this. It says, you will show me. This one of the greatest revelations that you could have as an individual. It says, you will show me God. You're going to show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. In other words, when I see the path, and when I know the journey, there's going to be joy in your presence. Amen. There's going to be pleasures that are at your right hand. Now, what, what I contend is that most people, most people know that there's potential out there. Most people know that there is potential, but they don't know what the journey is. They have not been made known the path of life. Have you ever stopped and wondered, what does God have for people? What is this spiritual journey? What does God have for me as an individual. It's okay to ask those questions. It's perfect to ask those questions. You should ask those questions, but I have always taught and believed that don't ask those questions your entire life and wind up 75, 80 years old still wondering, what, what, what does God have for me? What is the spiritual journey? And when you begin to look at the Bible, when you begin to study the Word of God, God has always wanted the same things for people. From cover to cover, start to finish. And I can show you several places where God has always wanted basically the same things for you. And now in every place, they're mentioned a little bit differently. They're said a little bit differently. They're spoken, but the gist of it is the same. And so what I want to do for you is I want to give you one version of that. I want to break down the scripture. And the version I want to show you, first of all, is found in a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church. And what I love about this is Paul, when you study the life of Paul, you realize Paul was a church planter. 
Paul planted churches all over the known world at the time. And of course, he had great concern and he had a desire for these churches to grow. And so we find in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says this in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I want to stop right there. Paul says, I just wish people could see this. I I wish people could realize that this is where they are. And honestly, that's my desire. I really wish that you could come away from this message going, wow, my eyes are open, Brother Bryce, to where I am spiritually. He says, I just wish you could have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, now he's going to mention all these, these, these four things, so that, number one, you might know God. You might know God. Paul used a word there. It's Inasco in the Greek, and it literally means to know God in an intimate and personal way which was completely foreign to these religious people of that day because God was always this religion. God was always this tradition. But he actually used a word there where uh, uh, talking about a husband and a wife. It's an intimate term. It's a term that you got to get way beyond knowing him right here, and you've got to get to knowing him here, knowing him personally, knowing him in, in, in relationship. And so Paul was saying, I wish you could just know God better. And then he says this, I pray that the eyes of your hearts get enlightened. This is the the second step on your spiritual journey. You're going to know God, and then your heart, Paul said, I pray that your hearts, the eyes of your heart get enlightened. He says, I just wish. I I, I wish that the, the eyes of your heart were, as another version puts it, focused and clear. Now, when you first read that verse, you might think, do the eyes have hearts? What is like, Paul, bro, like, my, my eyes are not on my hearts, man. My eyes are right here. They're not, they're not over here. They're not down here. They're not on my heart. And Paul's making a point that all of us need to realize, and that is we all aren't looking through these eyes. We're actually looking through this. That's what every single one of you are looking at life from here. In fact, you're looking at me right now through the lens of everything that's happened to you up to this point in your life. Every one of you are looking through the lens of your past, your pain, your heartache, your problems, your hurts, your good days, your bad days. We're all seeing through that lens. And Paul said... Once you know God intimately and personally and really have a relationship with him, he said, I wish you could understand how important it is to take that next step on your journey where your heart can get right, where your heart can get healed, and you start working on how you're seeing things. Because all of us in this room, believe it or not, we're all seeing the exact same thing. We're all hearing the exact same thing. All of us are seeing it, though, differently based on what has happened to us up to this point. And that lens is dictating your life. And he says, Paul says, I just wish you could see 
how important this is. And then he says, so that. Everybody say, so that. So that. So in other words, you can't even get to this next step without doing the first two. So that. You can't take the next step until you've already done the first two. He said, I wish you could understand how important it is to be in relationship with God. And then once you know him, I wish you could see how important it is to take the next step where your heart can get right and clean and pure, working so much better so that, watch this, so that you might know the hope to which he has called you. So now you got to realize that part of your spiritual journey is to realize that God's created you on purpose for a purpose. Part of your spiritual journey is you got to realize that God has created you on purpose for a purpose, that you cannot see, watch this, that you cannot see if you don't do the first two things. So it's virtually impossible to see the plan that God has for you in the future if you're looking through the lens of yesterday. If you're looking through the lens of yesteryear, if you're looking through the list of what happened five years ago, you can't see your tomorrows. You can't see it if your glasses are still covered in the dirt of yesterday. Some of you have even wondered, why do I not know what God's purpose is? Why do I not know what God's plan is for my life? It's because you've never done the second step of the journey of getting your heart clear and settling the pain of yesterday so that you can see the promise that tomorrow has for you. See, but once you do, once you do, Paul said, I wish you might know the hope to which he has called you. Notice with me that if you're open to that scripture, that, that the word hope and calling are connected. I want you to think about that for just a moment. The word hope and the word calling are connected. In other words, if you want to find hope, you're not going to find it circumstantially. You find it in knowing why you're on this planet. So once you know that you're here on purpose, for a purpose, that is the source of hope. That's a powerful truth, because here's the deal. So many people are looking for hope to be found in, well, I need my family uh, uh, to work out better. I need my, uh, my, the weather to be better. I need the politics to be better. I, I need my job to be better. No, 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 no. It's found in knowing that you're here on purpose, for a purpose. So that regardless, Paul said, it doesn't matter what's happening around me. I have my eyes fixed, not on the seen things, but on that which is unseen. Are you following me this morning? And so he's given us this progression. And again, I just want to, I want to see it just like Paul prayed it. I want you to see how important it is. Why, Brian? So that you can flourish. So that you can grow. So that you can move forward. That you can get going. You can't even do this second one, though, without doing the first one. But once you do that one, now he can do this powerful work on the inside of you. When we settle yesterday once and for all and really deal with the pain and the problems and the hurt and the, and the past of our hearts. So that we can realize. 
You're not supposed to spend the rest of your life just praying about you and your issues. You're not supposed to spend the rest of your life praying about you and your problems. Well, this is the way it is. This is the way it's always going to be. That's not the will of God for you, my friend. You're supposed to get out there with some purpose in your life, doing something with your life that matters. Paul ends it this way. So that you might know the riches of his glorious, watch the language here, inheritance in the saints. To realize that you have an inheritance. Now watch this, and it's not just your inheritance alone. You are not the only child in this family. <laughs> you are not the only one. This inheritance is not for you alone. It is that you have an inheritance, and it's with a group of people that God now wants you to make sure that you're connected with a group of people who know their purpose, who together are receiving their inheritance and making a difference in this world. Did you know that God has already put it inside the heart of every human being, alive, lost or saved, Christian or non-Christian, to do something great with their life, do something that really matters? Why do we do that? It's ultimately to make a difference in this world. He's already put it in, inside of you. In fact, science, secular sociologists have proven that the highest need that can get met in the human heart is to live your life in such a way where your life is making a difference. They say the highest and the greatest, the, the, the lay your head down at night knowing you lived your life well is when you did something for someone else. In fact, they thought for years that the highest, the greatest thing ever, the highest level that you can, that can be met in the human heart is just when you win just when you make all the money that you want, when you get the promotion that you were looking for and you have all of the things you want, you have the job, you have the family, you have the car, that's not what it is. They said, no, 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 there's one higher than that. And they call it, secular sociologists have called it transcendence. It's that deep down inside that you are called to make a difference. But you cannot do that unless you discover your purpose. You cannot do that if you're still settling, trying to settle yesterday, and you cannot do that without God. You can't do it without God. So let me quickly go back through these four again, and I want you to find where you are, because again, my message is, where are you? Where are you in this progression? I want you to find yourself, because the first step in this spiritual journey is to know God. Everybody say, know God. And when I say no, God, I'm meaning intimately and personally. Not what your parents know about God. Not what your pastor knows about God. Not what the person sitting next to you knows about God. What do you know about God? Do you know him personally and intimately? Not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Jesus, we've done all these great things in your name. We've, we've laid hands on the sick and watched them recover. We've cast out demons. We've done all of these things. What do you, what do you mean we can't enter in? Jesus says, that's right, you've done all these things, but I never knew you. I never knew you. 
And he uses the same word that Paul uses, Yanasko, that I wasn't looking for religion. I was looking for relationship. I wasn't looking for, I was looking for somebody to know me personally. Someone here today needs to take that step from, it's not just about attending a church and this is all not about being a more religious person or trying to get your act together. It's about being in relationship with your creator. It's about knowing who he is, being in relationship with a real, alive, than living God. Can you say amen? And you need to take that step today. If that's where you are, and no judgment, there's no judgment about where you are on the journey. The important thing is understanding where you are. If that's where you are, I encourage you to take that step. Get to know the Lord personally. And I believe there's a bunch of you that have taken that step, but there are some who have never taken the second step of the spiritual journey. Which if you, if you boil it all down, it's, it's freedom. Having the eyes of your heart in, in, enlightened. To, to see, to look through the correct thing. And what I mean by that is to deal with the stuff that keeps holding you back. That, that, that's making it where you're not getting the best version of you. And you know what I'm talking about. Every one of you in this room, if I asked you to, matter of fact, you might have even thought about it already. You know what it is. You know what's holding you back. You know what's not allowing that growth and not allowing you to flourish. It could be a slew of things. It could be a, a habit and an addiction. And it, get, hear me, it will always be there until you find yourself at an altar before God. And I'm not just talking about this one right up in front of me. I'm talking about altars in our home where we stay broken in prayer before God because freedom is found in his presence. we're going to know God. We're going to find freedom. And once you do, you need to get to some point. And for a bunch of us, this is where you are. In fact, chances are probably 80, 85% of you are right here. But you need to discover your purpose. You need to discover your purpose. According to one study in America, 87% of the body of Christ does not know what part in the body they are. 87% does not know what part. So can you imagine what would your body do if 87% of it woke up this morning and said, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea. You know, the old thing, I don't know, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing and stuff. 87% it, it, of your body, can you imagine? None of us would be here. None of us would be able to function enough to make it to church or any of that stuff. And that's probably why the church does not function like the church should. Because the church people, the body of Christ, you're a part of the body. You need to know what part you have. You need to know your purpose. According to 1 Corinthians 12, all of the body parts have different functions. So let me say it this way. You have a function. You are part of the body, and you've tried to look for it in other places. So people tend to look at it, and I'm making money, and I'm going to have a job, and I'm going to have a career, and I'm going to have these other pursuits. And I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. They're just not the best part of you. Paul said this about his purpose. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me unless I finish the race, the call that God has for my life. 
And I want you to have the same thing. But Romans 12 says that you all, we all, the church, we all have different gifts. That word gifts, it's talking about that thing that you're good at. That's what makes a difference in somebody's life. Hear me right now. You you have something that God designed before time that you're good at, something that you excel at, that when you do it, there's fulfillment and it makes a difference in somebody's life. And I'm preaching to you, you got to get in pursuit of that. You got to understand what that is so that you can understand you have a purpose on this life. You're not down here just wasting time. You're not just taking up room on a pew this morning, but you're here for a purpose by God almighty to make a difference come on clap your hands unto the lord right now you gotta allow god allow god to show you what those things are and if you don't what will happen is you'll start chasing things that really don't matter i think we can all say yeah i've been there before What a waste of time. What a waste of years for some people to chase things that really don't matter. I'm asking our music to come this morning. There's a story I ran across, the story of a Greyhound racetrack. And, uh, I know it may fool you, but I don't know anything about greyhound races or anything like that. I don't know anything about that stuff. But what, what, what happens in a dog race is they put this mechanical rabbit on this interior rail. Because in a horse race, a horse has what? A horse has a jockey, right? You have something to make the horse run, something to make the horse go. But how do you make a dog run? Well, here's what they do. They chase something. So they send this mechanical rabbit just a little bit ahead, and they release the dogs, and the dogs are chasing this rabbit, right? You follow me? It's on this interior rail running around. Well, the story goes, this one particular particular Greyhound dog track, their mechanical rabbit had a mechanical malfunction. And right about that first turn, it explodes. And wires and fur go everywhere. <laughs> and the story goes that the dogs, because they didn't have something to chase, because they didn't have something to run after, because they didn't have something, they said that they did three different things. Some of them just sat down on the track and took a nap. Some of them just turned to the crowd and began to bark at the crowd. Some of them actually ran through the railing that the rabbit was on and hurt themselves. I'm talking like broken ribs running through the railing of that track. Because they were confused. They were disoriented. What a picture of humanity. If you're not chasing the right thing, you'll lie down and take a nap. You'll bark at everybody else. Or you'll hurt yourself. I mean, that's what we do. And it's true. 
And that's why it's critical for you. If you want your life to be successful, we've got to go on a pursuit of the purpose that God has for you. And then once you do, friend, hear me, you can do this final thing. Folks, this is what you were created to do. You weren't just created to celebrate other people who are making a difference. Oh, good job. I'm so glad they're they're working for the Lord. I'm so glad somebody's doing something. I'm so glad they're getting out and doing it. No, God has something for you as well. Every place you go, every person you meet, to live your life in such a way where you're making a difference. You're making a difference for the glory of God. In fact, John 15, here's what Jesus said. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Sounds kind of demanding, right? Doesn't it? Like, okay, go help some people. Bear, bear a lot of fruit. But watch what he says in verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you. Why, Jesus? So because we can be busy? No. So we can help other people? No. He said, these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. Jesus is saying, you haven't even discovered what life is really like. You haven't even discovered real joy until you lay your head down at night and think, wow. That's how you live a day here. That's how you live for, I'm going to tell you, some of the low-hanging fruit of making a difference is this. Just get involved. Just get involved in the church. Do something. Get involved. Start a Bible study. Play an instrument. I'm telling you, we need you. The church needs you. The lost world needs you to stand up and make a difference. And I think if I'm really trying to say something to you today, it's that it's time for you to get moving. Where are you? Only you can answer that. But no matter where you are, it's time to get moving. What's next? What's the next step? What, what's the next step on the spiritual journey, journey for you? It's kind of it's funny if you, you've never done this before and got behind a pulpit and talk to people and you have emotions that go on on the inside of you and get up here and we're trying to say some things and sometimes it's some some of those things are you know pretty in your face but you want to do them in a in a in, in a good in a you know get up here and say it's going to be good it's it's going to be good sometimes I feel like a spiritual tour guide you're trying to do it like that because you want people to want to do it, right? Reminded of uh, when I get out and I drive, and uh, I'm barely saved when I'm driving, just to be completely honest with you. Um, oh, Lord, help me. That's the one part that God's still doing a deep work on me. Um, I'm real impatient. <laughs> I'm real impatient. Like, I'm, I'm super focused, hyper aware of, like, whose turn it is at the four-way. Like, oh, that person. Nope, nope, nope. 
Yeah. I go to a uh, stoplight. I hate getting stopped by stoplights, first of all, but I, I get stopped by the stoplight and look up, and I'm fifth in line, and I'm wondering, am I going to make this green light? Like, I think if all things go well and look, and then all of a sudden the person ahead of me, their head's down. Checking social media, texting somebody back, taking a selfie. I don't know what they're doing, but their head's down. Just not... And again, I'm ultra focused. Like, I know the correct flow here. And I know, like, a lot of the timing of the stoplights. It's amazing. Our county has two stoplights. They're both in Sparta. <laughs> it's crazy, right? We're big time. But, um, and oh, how not fun it is to get behind someone in line that's not paying attention. <laughs> and, and you miss that light because if they would have just been paying attention they could have went in the correct flow and so there have been times that yes I have beep beep and that's a nice one the beep beep that's a good one right yeah what I really what I'm doing in my heart is and Mallory she hates it. she's like don't do that stop that but I'm like let's go what are you waiting I got one witness. <laughs> That's how I want to end today. What are, what are you waiting for? As you stand with me this morning, what? And we're going to move on with our service. I'm going to be done. We're going to do our offering. We're going to have worship. We're going to have great worship. And pastor's going to come and preach the word to us. But seriously, what are you, what are you waiting for? What, what are you waiting for? You're going to go another week without knowing God? Really? You want to hang on to that pain, that sin, that habit? Really? Another day, another week, another year? What are you waiting for? You're not going to discover the second greatest day of your life. The day you were born, amazing. But the, the next is when you discover why. Why you were born. Really, you want to live another day just thinking about yourself and not making a difference? Really? Hey, I'm there behind you in that car this morning. Let's go. Let's go. The light's green. The light's green. Let's go. It's time to get moving. It's time to go. Listen, take a step. Take a step today. Come on. God has so much for you. God has so much more. There, it's more than this. It is more than what you are seeing. You're supposed to flourish. You're supposed to grow. You're supposed to bloom. So take this step. Let's go. Let's go. Bow your head with me. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.